2: Morning, morning, morning. I hope you're well. It's a very foggy morning out there. It's Gareth O'Callaghan once again for PJ who's taking the week off and he'll be back with you next Tuesday. Now, uh, a blanket of fog that was much heavier than yesterday. It still hasn't budged in many parts of uh, the south of the city. Not so bad in the north of the city, but uh, out out east and and west. uh, Very, very heavy. So please take it very, very easy this morning if you're driving and watch out for uh, pedestrians who are making their way to work or from work. and, And also cyclists so, um and if you are a cyclist i noticed coming in this morning at about half 6 uh, please light up because no one can see you otherwise Lots in the newspapers. We'll come back to that very shortly. But as you know, for those who've been affected by the horrendous flooding, the devastation caused to homes and businesses in uh, particularly East Cork and also in parts of Glenmire over the last week. Last Wednesday, it's hard to believe that uh, we're going on for almost a week now since the disaster struck so quickly and so violently. Um, News is coming through this morning. That the Cabinet approved last night funding for two schemes, one for business and one for householders intended to benefit those hit by flooding in Cork last week. So it's great to be able to tell you shortly that we have some great news. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Minister Simon Coveney in a couple of minutes time. Uh, but yesterday we had a harrowing conversation with Ashling McAvoy about the devastation caused to her home in Glanmire by Storm Babette last week. She has been journaling about her experience and wrote these words down in
3: recent
4: days. A house is merely a structure. A home is a special place. To have it stripped from you leaves a deep impact that people don't realise. Think of all the memories you have in your life. The backdrop to your life washed away. Your downstairs is now wiped out in an instant. A lifetime of work attention and care wiped out. Now you must start through a rebuild process that took years to complete in a matter of days after four days of cleaning sewage and sludge out of my house. Now the builders have informed me that the walls need to come down due to internal dampness, so I watch my husband crowbar in hand He pauses and he turns and he hands his neighbour the crowbar and he says, I can't do it. And he passes him the crowbar to start at the floor. In our hearts, we know many of our loved possessions are gone and we desperately try to salvage what we can because we don't know where we can find the means to replace them. Spent gathering quotes and photographing lost items and agonising about how we will ever put the pieces of this jumbled jigsaw back together still haunt us from, from our past experiences. If you don't have insurance, you get the pitiful glance that, that crushes your last bit of dignity as a realisation that, that you are now a charity case. If you're insured, you have a long battle ahead with your insurance company. The last time, everything underneath our worktop was destroyed. Everything above the worktop was perfect. Now, what do we do here? Because essentially, we're covered for half a kitchen. So how do you match half a 20-year-old kitchen with half a brand new one? The stress is just overbearing. On the other hand, if you've no insurance at all well where do you even start now yes okay because you can dry out a damaged smelly couch and spray it with air fresheners or, or you can sit on the floor like the choice is yours and your normal life your ups and downs will still be there waiting for you like there is nowhere to hide and you know as that saying goes until you walk a mile in their shoes you you just don't know
2: that's Ashling McAvoy from Glenmire, who we spoke to on the program yesterday morning, and there has been such an incredible outpouring of both gratitude and also support to Ashling. Gratitude from so many people who just felt she put the whole thing so perfectly for them. Uh, they're so devastated and so distraught that they can't find the words to describe. Destruction to their homes and consequently to their own lives. Now, business owners whose premises were badly damaged by last week's floods in East Cork met early this morning. And the good news, and it's great news, is that they will be entitled to apply for payments with a maximum in excess of €70,000 under a new plan being finalised by Enterprise Minister Simon Coveney. And the Minister joins me now. Good morning to you, Simon Coveney.
5: Uh, good morning, Gareth. Thanks for having me on and it's 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 heartbreaking listening to Ashling there and, and um having met some of the both business owners and people in their homes in in Middleton uh, last week. Um, it, it's um, she's not the only one who's devastated. Um, and as a government, we need to respond quickly now to get financial support to people as fast as we can, so that they can start putting their homes and businesses back together. What, were, you, what uh, were your
2: first impressions, Minister, when you saw the destruction last week?
5: Oh, look, I mean, like I've been in politics for 25 years. I've never seen a level of destruction um, from flooding that I saw in Middleton last week. Um, and I've been to lots of different floods at different times, uh, including in my own town in Carrigaline, um, um, uh, uh, over. You know, over the last twenty years or so, but I mean the the, the scale of the destruction, and I know it's similar uh, for for some uh, in in Glenmire as well. You know, you're talking about four feet of water uh, in in the downstairs of of homes, literally wiping everything out from TVs to white goods to kitchens uh, to couches, um, and of course doing huge damage to uh, to walls and structure in buildings as well. So you, you know, there's a there's a, a very difficult job for for many people. Um, whatever about your business being destroyed, which is which is traumatic, but your home um, uh, to have that level of destruction and then uh, thinking about how you put it all back together again. I think Ashling summed it up pretty well. It's 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 really traumatic. Um, so what we need to do is to make sure that people know that there is support there for them. I mean, if you're not insured uh, and your home has been devastated by floods, uh, you can speak to the community welfare officer. There is actually no limit financially in terms of what uh, financial support you can get. There are some limits uh, in terms of um, uh, income thresholds for people to qualify, but we increased those income thresholds significantly yesterday. So if you're a couple, um, uh, uh, as long as you're earning less than 90000 euros you'll get full financial support to put your home back together and if you've got children uh, then those those thresholds increase by 15000 euros per child so you know a couple with two children for example you know, as long as their income is less than 120,000 euros per year, we'll get full financial support to help put their homes back together. And even if you're earning above that, uh, you'll still get substantial financial support through the through the community welfare uh, officer. So, you know, I'd encourage Ashling to do that. We've we've already seen the community welfare officer in Middleton pay out uh, over 125 different payments to different people at different you know different scales of payments and so on. And that process will continue now through the days and the weeks ahead. Minister and on the what business when you side-
2: say when you say sorry when you say full financial support will be provided do you mean that everything will be paid for based on assessment of course
5: well yeah yeah it is based on assessment i mean there's essentially sort of three levels of payment i mean first of all there's the there's the initial emergency response so you know clothes essential goods and so on you know people need uh, an immediate payment to sort of uh, to manage the crisis if you like and then after that obviously um the the, the payments need some more assessment uh, in terms of the level of damage done. Um, but, you know, the, the government is going to respond generously here. We've made that clear uh, after the cabinet meeting yesterday. Minister Heather Humphreys has has been very clear. She's given out a number, uh, w- which is 0818607080 uh, That's what people uh, who have, you know, Difficult circumstances in their homes uh, after this this flood. Um, that's the number they should call, and they will get assistance, and we'll try to make sure they get assistance quickly. As I say, uh, those payments have been flowing for a number of days now. Uh, we've had people out knocking on doors in Middleton um, to actually try to reach out to people rather than to to wait for them to call. Uh, and um, and on the business side, uh, we've we've signed off now on a new enhanced business scheme. Um, so you know, if you're a business owner that's hit by by floods over the last number of years, uh, you would have been able to apply through the Red Cross for a business support scheme that that would have given you €5,000 sort of upfront uh, as an immediate payment to sort of get you started in terms of repairs and taking out carpets and floors and skirting boards and so on that floods will have damaged. And then you can claim up to 20,000 euros on the back of an assessment uh, that's uh, you know inclusive of that 5,000 euros to try to put your business back together. That's the, been the standard scheme that's been there for the last number of years and it's been used in different parts of the country and the Red Cross have got a lot better at administering that quickly. Um, yesterday, we signed off on, enha- on a new enhanced emergency business flooding scheme because the truth is that a lot of businesses have a lot more than 20,000 euros worth of damage. Uh, certainly the ones that I've seen um, uh, on the main street in Middleton, and indeed others, including uh, uh, um, sports and community complexes as well. If you take Sarsfields, for example, in 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 Glenmire, probably hundreds of thousands of euros worth of damage, and we're going to help them put that club back together. Um, but on the on the business uh, new scheme, uh, what businesses will be eligible for straight away uh, is an upfront payment of ten thousand euros, which will help to pay the immediate bills around. Skips and uh, and clearing out their premises and so on, and then on the back of of, of an assessor doing their work, uh, we, uh, businesses will be able to claim up to a hundred thousand euros of supports through the Red Cross scheme, which is funded by my department. So you get um, the,
2: you, you, you qualify automatically for the ten thousand. Then that's not yeah. subject to an assessment.
5: Yeah. Yes. yeah so so yeah. so 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 businesses should go on to the Red Cross website which is redcross.ie they will then have to choose whether whether uh, option a which is the standard scheme which gets you know 5000 euros up front and then up to 20000 euros in support on the back of assessment or the enhanced scheme which is the second scheme which i think will apply certainly to some businesses in middleton um, uh, uh, if they believe that the the damage in their business is 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 more than you know, uh, 20,000 euros. Yes. And then they'll get 10 grand a- a- up front. Uh, I will say that, you know, we've obviously got to make sure that we spend money appropriately here. So if you apply for the enhanced scheme and get 10,000 euros up front quickly, there will be a sort of a post assessment uh, to make sure that, that there's more than 10,000 euros of damage done. I think we have to do that from a prudence point of view. But trust me, the whole trust of this is getting money to businesses quickly, to get them back up on their feet as quickly as we can. We know that we're leading up to Christmas, which is the busiest time of year for a lot of retailers, a lot of cafes, a lot of restaurants and pubs and so on. So we want to get them back up and running as quickly as we can. And as I say, there's up to €100,000 of financial supports now to help them do that because we recognize that the, the flooding, particularly in Middleton, was devastating um, uh, to, to businesses. Uh, and, and the state needs to be quick and... And, uh, and provide um, uh, significant financial resources to help businesses to, to recover. Um, you know, Middleton is a fantastic town. It's a market town. Uh, the community locally have just been unbelievable in the last week uh, in terms of sports clubs like the rugby club, the GA club, the schools. They've all been in business premises helping them to clean out uh, and support them. The government needs to play its part now and we will do through the Red Cross uh, and and we will get significant money into people's hands quickly uh, to help them pay for this carnage and to put their businesses back together.
2: I, th- I think it's important to um, to mention here that there's a closing date for receipt of applications that's the Friday the 1st of December that's for, for the emergency business flood relief t- scheme. Now you were saying that the scheme is broken. In yeah that's t- the two schemes two parts, Yeah
5: sorry. that's, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I mean you'll probably find for example uh, in towns like Carrigaline and maybe Killa uh, and other towns that did have flooding but didn't have sort of a devastating <laughs> impact from that flooding those businesses should be able to apply for the standard scheme Uh, and there may be uh, and there may be some businesses uh, in Middleton that weren't badly hit and you know 5,000 euros or up to 20,000 euros will get them back up on their feet but for some of the businesses that I've seen the 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 damage goes way beyond that and that's why we 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 essentially now have an emergency business flooding scheme which is the standard scheme that's been there for years and we'll and we'll get it money to to businesses quickly but we also now for the first time have this enhanced emergency business flooding scheme for the more extreme circumstances Uh, and certainly that applies to the main street in Middleton, it'll apply to to Sarsfield's hurling club and and others Um, uh, and and as I say, we want to get money out quickly. That's what the 5,000 or the 10,000 euros is about. Uh, there's no audit needed for that. There'll be a sort of a, a post checkup for the 10,000 payment, but that's not going to be overly cumbersome. And then the Red Cross has already lined up a panel of assessors that they can get on the ground quickly uh, to make sure that the, that the bigger pay, payouts for businesses that, that need that in terms of their stock and in terms of uh, getting their buildings back Back into into shape uh, that that can happen as quickly as possible. And how, you know, how, I've spoken quickly, to the. How quickly is that? Is that in a matter of days? Is it a couple of? weeks? Well, I hope I, I hope we'll be able to get the initial payments out within a matter of days. Uh, and then, obviously, we we'll need to get you know professional assessors into businesses. Um, so, I would I would say to businesses: look, make sure that you keep photographs of what happened and as many records as you can, so that when the assessor comes, you can go through what the business looked like pre-flooding and what it looks like now and the cost of actually um, the repairs and refurbishment of the of, of the property. And you know the assessors will be asked to do a professional job, of course, but they'll be asked to do it quickly so that we can get payments out as soon as we can through the Red Cross system. And you know, I've spoken to the new CEO of the Red Cross. She's a very competent person. Um, the Red Cross have been doing this for years and they're anxious to to do this as quickly as they possibly can um, so that we can actually get Middleton as a town back up on its feet as soon as we can and indeed the other business premises predominantly in east cork but also other other parts of cork and to a certain extent west waterford as well uh, that have seen significant damage you know this is um you know there's a separate issue then in relation to insurance um that obviously you know the government has a responsibility to address um and you know if you look at what um Uh, we have funded as a state in terms of flood protections in County Cork in recent years. uh, You see you know a dramatic improvement in the flood protection for certain towns so Mallow, Moy, Bandon Clonakilty. you look at what's happened in, in, in Douglas in the last number of years there is a reason why none of these towns and communities were flooded badly last week and it's because they have comprehensive flood protections that cost tens of millions of euros yes, but also protect businesses from the kind of carnage that we saw last week, so clearly Middleton has to have a comprehensive of flood protection scheme put in place. But, uh, we've been working were, on
2: that. They were guaranteed that back in 2015. Yeah. Nothing unfolded. Nothing happened.
5: Well, 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 sorry, things have happened. I mean, like we've spent over a million euros in terms of minor uh, uh, improvements in and around Middleton. But, but you are right. The main scheme, uh, we'd like to have had it done by now. Uh, it'll be going to planning uh, for the scheme uh, in the first quarter of next year. Uh, and that is a very significant scheme uh, and we're committed to trying to fast track it to get it done but as people will know we do have to go through planning processes and so on but I. But obviously we need to try to fast track that that scheme so that we can give the kind of protections that towns like Mallow and Fermoy and Bandon and Clonakilty have today to Middleton uh, in the future uh, and uh, the sooner we can get that done the better because until that happens I think it will be very difficult for many businesses to get flood insurance um, uh, and we need to work with the insurance industry obviously because the state can't simply pick up the tab every time there's flooding um, but certainly for businesses 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 that don't have flood insurance and can't get flood insurance we need to be there uh, and uh, provide the kind of schemes that we signed off yesterday in government to make sure that businesses get the support they need when they're you know when they've been hit mm-hmm. uh, in a dramatic way like they were last week
2: uh, I just let, let's come right back to the the current crisis uh, you're saying that the initial payments of up to 5000 will be available within a few days um yeah and and
5: 10000 by 10 the way 000. and 10000 so 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 i suspect most of the businesses in middleton will be applying for that enhanced scheme which means 10000 up front immediately as in in the next few days uh, and then uh, up to a hundred thousand euros uh, of financial support on the back obviously of a professional assessor signing off on that But, um, but also so you know land- landlords, so suspect-
2: landlords will will also have to supply a tax clearance certificate the scheme is not available okay, yeah. to the farming community
5: yeah yeah so if yeah. you're if you're a landlord so this was this was a a, a sort of a an uncertainty over the last few days because mm. because some of the homes in in the town center in in Middleton uh, of course are are rented uh, and so we wanted to make sure that landlords were categorized as small businesses as well as well as the retailers on the main street if you're a landlord that has a property that's been devastated by these floods, we need to make sure that this scheme applies to you so that you can get that property back into uh, a fit condition for your tenants to get back in to their homes. Um, so, So yeah, landlords do qualify for this scheme, but they need to be registered. As landlords, uh, and of course, um, you know they need to be tax compliant. Uh, whereas all of the other businesses, as long as they're rate paying, then then they get vouched for by the uh, by Cork County Council, which which allows us to get uh, to get payments out to them quickly. What
2: happens if, um, and hopefully it won't, we have a repeat of this in a week's time or two weeks time, perhaps in a different part of the city or county? Uh, will those devastated by future flooding be able to avail of these schemes?
5: Yeah, so, I mean, in the last number of years, ironically, actually, I was the minister that put the, the basic scheme in place a number of years ago with the Red Cross, uh, and that's been applied uh, repeatedly in different parts of the country, you know, most recently in in the town of Tralee, for example, you know, in Wexford as well, uh, where we've seen flooding, you know, over the last number of months. So, so that basic scheme has been there for a number of years. It works, and it gets financial supports to businesses quickly. What's different about this is, is that yesterday, the government said, signed off on an enhanced scheme that actually raises the thresholds significantly in terms of the financial supports that government can give through the Red Cross. So now we have a scheme for extreme flooding uh, when it happens and, and, and when businesses literally get wiped out by it, that can give them up to 100,000 euros to get back up on their feet which is a you know which is a substantial sum of money and of course this is public money so we've got to spend it properly mm-hmm. um, but look you know the what I saw last week uh, and the devastation for many of the businesses on the main street in Middleton despite the incredibly sort of stoic nature of the community there uh, they need help uh, and they're going to get it uh, quickly through the Red Cross new scheme that's there now, which which as I say, will give them 10 grand within days and give them up to 100,000 euros uh, on the back of an assessment that'll happen in the next few weeks.
2: Now, when you say few weeks, and I have two final questions for you. You know, you're extremely busy. When you say within a few weeks, uh, we're now looking at the we're the 25th of October. A few weeks' time will bring us up to the end of November. So you're into peak yeah. Christmas period there at that stage, and businesses that need at least 100,000 to actually reopen in in such a shape to be ready for the Christmas market. Can you guarantee that they will have money within the next, let's say, three to four weeks?
5: Yeah, look it's hard for me to give sort of definitive guarantees because you know we essentially outsource the management of this to the Red Cross uh, the Red Cross do a great job um, you know what what we will do with the Red Cross is we'll help them if they need to increase the the size of their their panel of assessors we'll help them do that yeah, all I can say to you is that my conversation with the CEO of the Red Cross uh, was a good one uh, she wants to make this happen as quickly as possible everybody understands the pressure that businesses are under particularly at this time of year Um, so that's why the initial payments will happen very quickly within days i hope in fact hopefully before the end of this week uh, in most cases um and and then from next week on we will get the assessors into premises to try to to sign off on uh, on financial support quickly and then of course businesses will have to get you know tradespeople in to do that work but look from what i've seen in middleton there is there's an extraordinary Determination uh, amongst those businesses and in the community generally to support them, uh, to to help what is a great town to get back up on its feet uh, after, you know, really a devastating week yeah. last week and and look. You know, this isn't just about Middleton, but of course, Middleton is the is the place that's had most damage, uh, both in terms of homes and businesses. But I am conscious that we have, you know, we have others as well in other parts, particularly of East Cork. They'll get help too. Uh, and if you look at the, you know, the the Sarsfield situation, which you know is is desperate, they've basically lost a pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think here uh, an all weather pitch probably lost a, a road within the complex too. Um, so, so so they will be able to avail of up to 100,000 euros from this scheme, but they'll also get more financial support from the Department of Sport as well, to make sure that we can put that club back together uh, as quickly as we can.
2: And what about finally, Minister, what about mental health? It, it, this is going to have a, a seismic effect on people's mental health. Will the government yeah. be able to provide measures in, in, so that funds will be available, so that counselors will be available?
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think the the um, uh, Community Welfare Officer has, has a lot of flexibility here in terms of supporting people. Every case will be different like that's that's the truth i mean i I probably visited a dozen homes last uh last week uh, in middleton you know awful circumstances a lot of stress and strain on those families uh sometimes individuals i mean one woman who has just bought in middleton she moved down from dublin um this was her sort of dream home to retire in um you know she lost a, a family pet a dog to the flood uh you know very very traumatic difficult circumstances uh and so you know it's the community welfare officer's job to to support people mm-hmm. like that as best we can uh in whatever way we can uh and uh, you know we'll 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 endeavor to do that but but look you know, this is going to need strong community support as well. Neighbours looking after neighbours. Um, the government will provide funding and supports as best we can. But ultimately, it's uh, it's a strong community like you see in Middleton that will um, uh, that will allow the town to move forward as a community.
2: Well, reflecting on what has been a horrific week, this is a very good news morning. I think I think everyone will agree. Uh, Simon Coveney, thanks yeah, for joining yeah. us this morning.
5: Yeah, thanks a million. And look, the 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 government, as I hope we. We always do. We'll, like, we'll continue to monitor this. If there's more support needed, we'll look at that. Uh, but I think the package of measures that we that we outlined yesterday. Uh, uh, I hope will um, will give people some good news in what's been a very dark week Thank you for that That's
2: Enterprise Minister Simon Coveney there and um, we'll, we'll just flesh out a few of the details there but I just want to come back to householders and homeowners and um, the Minister touched on the humanitarian assistance scheme and I'm going to come back to that in a little while because we've had quite a few texts and calls from people saying yeah we understand that businesses take a priority from the point of view that they provide so many commercial services services to towns and to villages but what about our homes where do we stand on that so um heather humphrey's the minister has secured additional funding for what the minister mentioned there that's the humanitarian assistance scheme so this is this is good news as well and she has uh, managed to come to an agreement to increase the the levels of funding available to the income limits. So I'll give you more details on that uh, very, very shortly this morning. Now our text number are for WhatsApp and if you would like to join the conversation, it's 0833 96 96 96. Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ this morning. Uh, lots of calls coming in, lots of texts with questions in relation to the emergency business flood relief scheme and also to the emergency uh, home flood relief scheme. And we'll come back to those in a moment. Dr Mike Thompson from Middleton lost almost 100,000 euro worth of equipment that was damaged in the space of about 24 hours last week. He attended a meeting of business owners this morning. Mike, good morning to you. Does this support go far enough? It is a good news day for uh, for a change.
6: Morning, Gareth. Hope you're well. Good. Uh, the announcement, the white smoke yesterday, was a very, very welcome announcement. Um, we are very grateful. I would remind folks that at this time of the year, tax bills are being filed. People are having traders' credit for Christmas stock, and and uh, there's lost income. We people are paying back loans from previous upgrading. So. The, the amounts um, are very high, they're very welcome, but for the vast majority of traders, this will not get us back to where we were seven days ago. Um, but it is a very, very good start and we welcome it and we hope now that the progress of the of the enhanced scheme will be efficient and quick, I suppose. Um, this morning, Garth, there was over 100 traders, professions and service people in a local restaurant. It was standing room only. Um, lots of energy and at times open emotion was in the room. Um, but there's a wealth of experience and, and logic and, and passion in the, in our town and that was represented at the meeting. So I suppose we distilled an agenda and we have an outline of some plans which include short-term, medium and long-term. But just listening to Minister Covey there, the, the one fear we have, Gareth, is that we, we will reset Middleton it's 60 days to Christmas we are cleaning we will reopen we would ask for people's support but this could happen next week next month or next year and we are urging and asking the government to introduce a scheme for areas that cannot to no fault of our own get flood insurance I pay the same insurance as every other trader in the country I just do not have the benefit of a flood defense plan we're asking central government to underwrite until we have our flood defense plan in maybe six or seven years that they would underwrite any future flood losses the businesses in Middleton are the engine of this town. I certainly feel for the homeowners. Um, but 150 businesses, if Middleton was to be affected like it was again last Wednesday, it will not survive as a town. That's the stark reality.
2: Where Where do you start in in terms of when I look at the, the, the health centre there and I consider what 100,000 euros worth of medical equipment would be? How are you coping without that equipment as a doctor, Mike, as a team?
6: Yeah, so we've relocated to my sister in law's beautician's premises, 100 meters away, very kindly, and we're up and running. We have three rooms, we've two doctors and a nurse going, and secretary. It's very makeshift. We're at about twenty twenty five percent of capacity. We are seeing the urgent stuff that is presenting again, reminding people that 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 we are open, and um, but unfortunately, we, we just we just we just restock our we have to go. You know, it's coming into uh, winter season. Yeah. The the, 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 the you know, the chronic disease program, the flu vaccination campaign, the COVID vaccination, as well as the typical winter surge that were coming. Um, and again, we need to keep people out of the emergency department. And I do think when all, when, when Tanisha, Taoiseach, Mr. Coveney, Jack Chambers, all the local politicians, it, it actually hit them. You could see it in their eyes that they were actually, you know, the drone pictures of Middleton last week. It was just brown. Um up to three and a half feet. So they do. They do understand the need, not just for my as a health practice to go in, because there was fifty percent of the practices were wiped out. Three of the six practices were going. Um, the dentists, the pharmacists, the solicitors, the trade. It's all knock on guard. So everyone was affected equally. Um, so very, very welcome for the white smoke yesterday. We hope now just to get on, get the assessors in, and move on. Um, but we need in the short term or medium term. Central government to underwrite that if this was to happen again, because people, no matter the government injection of cash yesterday, will be taking out personal loans, will be getting bank credit, um, will be warehousing debt. If this is to happen again in a year or two's time, it, yes. it's. You know, it doesn't bear thinking about
2: gas. Now, Minister Coveney said that, well, from what I gather when I asked him the question, if this happens again in two weeks' time, two months' time, will the same funding be available to businesses? He said yes. But I'm just wondering, Mike, if the, God forbid, if the same happens to, to the businesses there that have been hit so hard last week, um, there are no guarantees here. And some people tend to say, well, no. let's let's not think of that. But I think it's very important that we do think of that because we have to prepare for the future. And if we don't, the government won't
6: absolutely and and, you know the public may be listening there will be probity with these funds I would imagine that what people are going to get will be a fraction of their annual tax payments that Mm -hmm. they're paying. So this is only money coming back into the community. Um, Middleton is a vibrant market town. I think it punches well above its weight as regards tax receipts. We're thankfully getting a little bit of that back now. Mm -hmm. But could this happen again? Yes, and I very welcome Minister Coveney's expression that it will be there again because it will take five, six, seven years for our Flood defence plan to be up and running
2: how much stock and I'm looking at many of the shops there that had Christmas stock waiting to be put out in windows and on display in the shops was there huge amounts of Christmas stock lost
6: Uh I think, for speaking to three, three of the bigger groups, I suppose, one is the, the eateries, uh, a lot of their kitchen equipment, which would be very, very expensive, decimated. And that comes in the tens of thousands of euros. Most people that I've spoken to, they had stock stored very much down low, the pharmacists, the clothes shops, all gone. This, Gareth, the water was quite foul. Um, This is not a case of washing it down and reselling it on. And from our point of view, unfortunately, the level of the water hit all our AT, all our fridges, all our ultrasound machines, you know, typical stuff, a lot of expensive um, stuff here. We we have to... I suppose in a health centre, there's also, there's being clean, but there's also the perception of being clean, which is very important for our patients. Mm. I can't have someone on chemotherapy coming in here, getting a vaccine out of a dirty fridge or a blood bottle, etc. like that. So we have just gutted our place and we're restocking now um, because we have to reopen.
2: Mike, we were talking over the last couple of days about mental health and the prospects over the next few months. Um, This must be something as a doctor that concerns you because the knock-on effect is that this when, when the the anger and the disbelief, um, and the, the the emotional outpouring dies down, this will have an effect, won't it, on people's mental health?
6: Even at the traders' meeting today, the, the emotions ranged from anger, frustration, resilience, pragmatism, altruism, uh, uh, and all around. I suppose the lessons we learned from COVID is the delayed presentations, and it's often the less vocal in our community who would be afraid to present. I would encourage our patients, we are open if people are struggling. P- please come to our town. Please visit our restaurants. Please buy from our shops. The mental health, we'll, we will take care of that. I d- do think the community schemes will be useful. There is a great sense of bonhomie and altruism around in the town. And we're very resilient and we'll harness that. And I think it's been seen in the last few few days. And we will take care of our own and we'll be back and we'll be better than ever.
2: Made. Mike, thanks for taking valuable time out of your hectic day at the moment. Great to talk to you. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Thank Gareth. You. Thank Bye you. Now. That's Dr. Mike Thompson from Middleton. There, uh, an extraordinary meeting there held very, very early, seven o'clock this morning. Meeting of traders. Uh, Sixty days to Christmas, and um, Mike's message there is Middleton is open for business. Gareth O'Callaghan with you, PJ. Back with you next Tuesday. 96, 96, 96. Huge reaction to Minister Simon Coveney's chat this morning in relation to emergency funding which is available immediately and dr mike thompson um we'll come back to a couple of issues i wanted to talk to mike about but obviously there's so much going on at the moment and we're trying to cover as much as we can chris good morning to you Good morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, now, you, you're talking about the infrastructure around Middleton, which, let's face it, is probably... Uh, it's like the foundation for what happened last week. It's never been changed, really, has it?
7: Well, they're they're building houses and lower-line planes, which they're giving planning permission for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, like, another 600 houses, I think, being built up in in the other side of Middleton, right? Where is it all supposed to go? Is the that, infrastructure is, yeah, that, but, is that East Middleton, yeah, yeah, that would be. And yeah. then uh, I actually live down the Klein Road myself, mm-hmm. and they spent, uh, I'd say, close to two hundred thousand in in my house alone, on an infrastructure of a wall that collapsed in two thousand and nine.
2: Your wall, my wall, and how did that collapse?
7: It collapsed because uh, there's a culvert in a uh, property across the road from me, which is council's, and the council wouldn't clear the culvert, so the water came out onto the road. And instead of going in the pipe, which goes under the road, yeah. the water came out onto the road, yeah. and down the road, and collapsed my wall.
2: So it surges back up through the drains, doesn't it?
7: No, it 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 literally flows out onto the road. All oh, right. I have hundreds of photographs of it. And it took me seven years fighting with the council to get that wall fixed. And in when it was agreed to be fixed, the council agreed to clear the culvert. Last Wednesday, same thing happened. Exact same thing.
2: And how, di- house- how deep did the water become?
7: No, I didn't get it into my house, but I got it all the way around my house. My garden is destroyed, my drive is destroyed, there's silt, you know, an inch thick. Call to the engineers in Middleton, rang the engineers in the council in Middleton, no one would come out.
2: Have you tried to contact the council? Yes,
7: I, I've been into the office in
2: Middleton. Yeah.
7: Two days ago, and no, nobody will respond. Now, I'm just one person what about all the other poor people which are up the mill road, which their houses practically floored away, how are they going to get on with their properties if the council won't even contact them?
2: Yeah, well, that's the, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it?
7: Yeah, and, like, I, I have... We cleared the culvert the other day, right? The, the gentleman that owns the property across the road could not clear the culvert, because the council wouldn't allow him to. Mm. But when he rang them the other, last Wednesday, they allowed him, within 10 minutes, with with a machine, cleared the culvert, there wasn't a bucket of water came out in the road. Not a bucket.
2: Yeah. My thinking is that the council will respond by saying, well, we don't have the funds or the budget to employ more workforce, which is what we need in order to get individuals out who are capable of cleaning these areas. But hold on. they have all these individuals out there at the moment. Well, I think they're also responding to a flood situation, but as. Oh, the, the, I,
7: but. Yeah. Like, you had an engineer on last Friday. Yeah. On the station. He was talking about the water coming up the drains in Middleton. The water was coming up the drains in Middleton because they had a drainage company clearing the drains down near Nicola, which allows the water then to flow. So that's how the water will gurgitate up to the drains. Yeah, and... Now, uh, I, I'm not saying the council are useless. I'm not saying that. No, they're, in, not. Well, no, they're far from useless. Been, they're not no, useless. No, no, they, so. everybody, the people in Middleton, in the Farbergate, Gardy council were absolutely amazing the whole week long. I've been in there myself every day, helping out. My <laughs> uncles were in there last Friday, helping out with the school.
2: But uh, no, nothing could have prevented the, the Onokurra River from b- bursting its banks last week. Would you agree? Um, but, but see, the, the, the thing about it was the the tide was so high, the rain was so heavy, you, you know, you were literally staring the storm in the face at that stage.
7: Well, right. This is my view. Yeah. Wednesday morning, very heavy rain, high tide.
3: Yeah.
7: Balnakura village, never seen water in this, was floodless. The tide was gone at half past nine, Ballinacorra was clear, water was gone, because it was able to flow out into where where Cock Harbour comes in. You have the infrastructure in Middleton, goes underneath the motorway, the Middleton to Castle Martyr Road, the dual carriageway, that goes in underneath that road, that river.
2: Yeah. And this is, see, this is where the minister was talking about the need for the, the flood pr- prevention barrier program, which was promised to East Cork in 2015, but clearly nothing happened. And he even admitted to that this morning. Uh, so that's what's needed because this will happen again and again.
7: Well, if they cleared that culvert, it probably wouldn't happen.
2: Right.
3: Okay.
7: I actually rang your station mm. last Friday and I said, send someone down with a camera and take a photograph of us. There was trees, rocks, branches, all blocking that culvert going out. There was nothing at the other side of the Jewel Cavalry. Right? Because the tide was out. Right. But Middleton was still flooded at
2: five o'clock that evening. I'll have to leave it there, Chris. Thanks so much for talking no to problem. us this morning. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank have you a very good much Thank you so you much. You too. Got Thanks it. a lot. Uh, just some of your comments. Um, I'm just looking at the comments in relation to Minister Simon Coveney. Simon said 5,000 is to cover skips. The skips should be free. That's from Mike. Um, Well, yeah, it should be. But then skip businesses are private businesses. And, uh, you know, uh, I think what he said was that he says the 5,000 will cover things such as skips um, and incidentals that are priorities within households. Um, Gillian says, I was selling a house so it was unoccupied. Where do I stand? I wonder with the scheme. I'm worried sick. We'll try and find out for you, Gillian. Tom says, Minister Coveney said he has been in politics for over 20 years, so therefore he knows that Middleton floods. What did he do about it before now? Also, will there be this absolutely painstaking con- concentration on receipts that Ashling has written about and that I experience in an, experienced in another flood? Will that be part of the scheme? Yeah, it will. and I'll come back to that if I have a chance a little later. But if uh, you go on to the Irish Red Cross website, okay, redcross.ie, scheme A and scheme B, which the Minister referred to, Emergency Business Flood Relief Scheme and Enhanced Emergency Business flood relief scheme respectively you'll find all that's needed there and yes unfortunately the more money you want from this relief scheme the more stuff you're going to have to provide Billy says if the people get their payments and it floods again during the winter will they get payments again I don't understand how they will manage that well the minister said yes, that was my understanding. He said yes, this funding will be available if uh, certain areas flood again. Some traffic and travel news for you this morning. Um, there has been a rather serious accident involving a number of vehicles just before you come to Mallow. This is coming from Cork City direction, so as it were, uh, you're heading across the bridge there, you're coming towards the main roundabout. The long tailbacks, number of vehicles involved, and emergency services are, are just arriving. Quite a few of them too. Try and avoid the area or delay your journey. Crash just before you get to Mallow from the Cork City direction. Carriageway completely blocked heading into Mallow and uh, a number of vehicles involved and I really hope that nobody has been seriously injured in that. Lots and lots of texts in relation to Simon Coveney's chat with us this morning in relation to this emergency flood relief scheme, which is very positive, let's face it. Uh, it's the first bit of good news we've had since last week's devastation in East uh, Cork and around Glenmire. Now, the minister, obviously, because uh, w- w- he was stuck for time, couldn't really get into the ins and outs of it. Can I recommend you go to Irish, uh, to redcross.ie, okay? Redcross.ie slash flood support scheme and you'll get all the information in there. Quite a number of you texting saying um, w- when you know it's great to get the five grand in that won't even pay my wages for the staff but what about the bigger amounts of money when do we can expect to get that. Well see the, the from what I'm reading and I've read this quite a lot this morning the more money you're looking for okay up to 100,000 euro the more paperwork is required of you which makes sense But briefly, just to give you an idea, if you're looking for the big money, and it's not really big money compared to when you compare it to some of the the destruction that's been caused, only those small businesses that could not secure flood insurance through no fault of their own are eligible. So you'll have to think about that one. For the purpose of this scheme, a small business will be defined as one with up to 20 employees. If you've 21, well, that's also going to be a problem. The business premises must have been damaged during the flooding which occurred as a result of Storm Babette in the period 17th to the 23rd of October. And the fact must be verified by the relevant local authority. Then you've got the likes of the schemes not available to the farming community, a business operating from a place of residence that suffered damage and was uninsured may be eligible to claim from the scheme provided that specific documentation can be supplied and the Department of Social Protection Scheme Has not been used to co-fund, and also, as I mentioned to the minister, landlords must supply a tax clearance certificate. And there's more in there. So when you get your time today, uh, have a read of it, Redcross.ie. But there is money. That's the good news. That's the white smoke. There is money. Uh, Whether it will be enough to recover from the damage that's been caused to your business remains to be seen. But uh, the closing date for receipt of applications is Friday, first of December. I would imagine many of them will go in today and tomorrow now sometimes claims you make don't go to plan as anyone who has been dealing with insurance companies will know and the baldy barber in blackpool michael is on with me this morning morning to you michael Morning, got it. Now um, I was looking at the, the coverage of Blackpool. There, uh, when was it? it? Was Monday morning? Blackpool was flooded. Now it's been flooded so many times um, over the years, and over the years, indeed. What? What's your story?
8: Well, years ago, when we had a big flooding between 2010 and... I think it was 2012, actually, Garrett. The place was destroyed. And um, there was an engineer doing a big... put a pub across the way and I didn't know what to do. It was destroyed. And next, um, the engineer took on my mantlet. So, lo and behold, there was a claim for 49,000 for my shop. And it would be... I'd be closed for four to six weeks. So, unfortunately... I didn't go in and get legal advice, right? Mm-hmm. So all I want to do is was just wash up and get out and get back into work as soon as I can. And lo and behold, uh, the assessor came along and he said he challenged my my uh, claim. It was an awful lot of money. And I knew that there was big, big claims around the place as well. And I knew what other people were claiming for because they told me. It was tri- 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 Four times what I was going for. Anyway, I settled for uh, eight and a half thousand. Out of that, I had to pay the engineer 1400 We were up and running in four or five days, cleaned out the place. had to pay my staff the ways of my own pocket and all that. But then when I went away and get my uh, tiles all done, the tiles alone at the time, they were going to cost me three and a half thousand. Yeah. Because I had an extension in the back where I had an section. I should have went ahead with it. And I say to the people in Middleton and beyond, please go away and get legal advice. And don't back away from an assessor. Because I can tell you something. They're there to save money for the insurance company. Mm. I, got, I got caught. I make no bones about it. They're talking there about a kitchen, garret. If you go away to a person come in and get a kitchen on your house, the average house, the average kitchen is from ten to fifteen, twenty thousand. That's right. How ca- how can you? They say five thousand would be sufficient. Now I heard Minister Corbyn there talking. He was there at the time when we were flooded. He never visited Blackpool at the time. Never. Tim Lucy was the city manager. He was out there and faced i I give him credit for that and city hard. We haven't seen a member. Of Cox City Council, a senior member of Cox City Council in Blackpool since last week. I star Magnus a few weeks ago to see if we we're, were okay. There are stones gathering at Blackpool Church at the moment, right? Which a, a digger would have to go in and clear them out now, not in three months' time, because if we get more flooding, all those stones are going to build up and Blackpool will be flooded. Mm. So, like, I mean, it's—I I mean, they talked about the flood. Really, nothing has been done in Blackpool, Carrot. Mm. OPW have a, a scheme for twenty million for Blackpool. Right. we are waiting, we're waiting since two thousand and twelve. Nothing has happened, and nothing will happen in Middleton either. I mean, I—we protested in Bandon years ago in Skibbereen to get the work done. The Blackpool Flood Group, and it's there. I play mm. golf in Bandon. The place is dry. Skibbereen is dry. The Clannic Institute was dry. Mellow was dry. Can mill is dry, abandoned. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. like that, all that. It's fantastic. Mm. So let let the OPW go on and get their jobs done, and don't hold it up. That's all I say.
2: How much did you get in the end, uh, Michael? Was like it's it well, sounds...
8: I, got it, I got I got I got seven thousand one hundred. That's right. exactly what I got. You know, but when and you t- when
2: to... you t- when you take the staff's wages out of that, you probably had very little left.
8: I, you know, if I, had been closed for four to six weeks, so I couldn't afford to four to six weeks, and little did I realize that I was as long as I shop. Was closed, it was closed for three months at the time. My staff's wages would have been covered, but as I was a stupid boy, I didn't go in and get legal advice, right? And that was this. But I would say to the people in Middleton, get legal advice, take your photographs, take everything that you can because otherwise they'll walk on you, right? And I can tell you the Red Cross I went through Blackpool that time to about money to the people of Blackpool, the residents of Blackpool mm-hmm. who got money. The business got nothing. Now I believe that they are going to give something to the business association in Middleton, and I hope they do get something because they're going to need it. I mean, it would it would cost anything minimum sixty, seventy thousand to get the ground floor in the business set up again. Yeah.
2: And that's an interesting comparison you make there, Mike, like when you say that the average the average household kitchen being replaced will cost about
8: $15,000. It would, yeah. So yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know where they're coming out with the 5000 I mean, you want, you want that to clear out the place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I just say to the people, please, and I say to the people, don't stop the OPW from doing their jobs because they're experts at it and they've proven that they're, that they're experts at it of saving the, the, the country from flooding. Right, okay.
2: Okay, Michael, uh, how did you fare out um, last week? Were you okay?
8: We were closed, we had to close. Yeah. I, was in, I was in Spain and I got a phone call. I said, Close the door in the story. But then again, somebody said to me, Can't you put in a claim for your, your, your disasters? It's not worth it because the hassle you have to go through to put it through is not worth it, Garrett. Yeah. You just close the door. And people will be afraid. I remember years ago when those two or three cars got caught in Blackpool in 2012. Uh, what they called it, they never came near the Blackpool after that for a haircut they never came in for business, they went further afield because they were, they, 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 they were just afraid in case they'd be caught in by flooding that's mean. you know, yeah. what they called it but also I discovered the other day that there was supposed to be a holding bay in, in underneath the Blackpool shopping centre I always thought there was one there but it's not there I believe and that was there I think at the time when Joe Gabb was the city manager and there is no water tank underneath the Blackpool Shopping Centre the whole water sure, that shouldn't have been built at all so mm. I, I just discovered that on Tuesday that can be, that's, that's that Monday that, that's very very wrong that can't be right you know like Blackpool is going to flood one of these days we were haunted this time Gareth, because the locals kept the place clean the local I, I didn't do it but the locals did it in fairness now we, 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 we've been cleaning the place for a long time and I must say I'm chairman of the flood group, but I'm not as active out on the street as I as I used to be. Yeah. But there, there, there are people out there, and they're taking over the mantle. then I'm delighted, you know.
2: Yeah, and I don't mean to be a, a, a doomsayer, but my my worry would be that the more money. These businesses are looking for out of this emergency flooding scheme. That the, the longer it's going to take to get the money, and they need it immediately. Not not in two weeks. Not in six weeks' time. Well, I
8: guarantee, there. I guarantee you, Garrett, you will be talking to someone. Our PJ will be talking to someone saying. We never got anything that was spoke about. They were talking about, and I can tell you, when when Middleton would dry out in the next 10 days and people get back up in business, which they have no other choice because that's a livelihood and that's what they're passionate about, I tell you something, you won't see a politician down there for a long time. We didn't see any politicians last week in Blackpool. Were we okay? Right. it was (laughs) a celebrant.
2: Okay, Michael, I hope this is the end of uh, the, you hope so. <laughs> the, the, the bad weather for the season anyway, the season Please that's... It, you know. it. Yeah, that's so true. Great, Michael. Take care of yourself. Yeah, that's it, Michael Moriarty, the Baldy barber there in Backpool. Uh, it's been flooded so many times, and um yeah, I think, remember 2012, 2013, I think Simon Coveney was the Minister for Housing at that stage. Uh, not that it matters in the slightest when you consider what's going on at the moment, but that would be my big fear, that these businesses can't survive on 5 or 10 or 20,000 euro they need the full they need the full wallet they need the hundred grand probably even more now uh, the minister said this morning and you heard him say it here uh, full full financial support will be given they were his words now my thinking is that when i look at the <laughs> It's a kind of a, if this is you, well then you don't qualify. There's all the terms and conditions and that's why I think you really need to go on to uh, redcross.ie and if you want to read about the humanitarian assistance scheme, this is for households and families who have been badly affected by the flooding, gov.ie and just put in humanitarian assistance scheme. Uh, It provides emergency financial assistance to households affected by the weather event and Minister... Humphreys has secured additional funding uh, in the wake of the storms last week and the flooding for the humanitarian assistance scheme and increases to the income limits. Now, the scheme will cover, or may cover never will, always might, emergency income support payments, damage to your home and its essential contents such as carpets, flooring, furniture, household appliances and bedding, structural damage, what the scheme does not cover, losses covered by an insurance policy, loss of items deemed to be inessential or luxury items. Now, where do you draw the line there? So, Um, A luxury item, I presume, is a television set, and I presume any, you know, mechanical equipment that you have in the house, that, put it this way, you're not going to collapse and die if you don't have it. That's a luxury item. Commercial and business losses, they're not covered by the humanitarian assistance scheme. Loss or damage to private rented accommodation or local authority accommodation. And the payments are based on an income test on all your household income, which measures your household Household's ability to meet the costs of restoring your home to a livable condition, and one final point, Minister Coveney mentioned there that the ceiling is an income of ninety thousand per household. So, if the two of you are out working full time and presumably, in many cases, paying for childcare. So that's 90,000 between the two of you. Let's split it down the middle, 45, 45 each, uh, joint tax assessment. So you're probably coming out with uh, about 60, 62, 64,000 euro a year. And if your house has been destroyed by the floods last week, 64,000 a year, broken down, is probably a little over maybe 1,200 euro a week. And you're now excluded from the big payment. If you're both on a combined salary of over €90,000 a year, that's something... I would like more information on from the minister or indeed from one of the departments. PJ is back next Tuesday after the jazz weekend and refreshed and recovered after a bad accident he had last week. He'll be telling you all about it himself, but he's in great form. I heard it from him last night and he's in good shape. He's resting well and he's glad he's taken a couple of days. It's Gareth O'Callaghan with you until 12 midday today if you want to join the conversation. 83 oh, three, Let's talk about dating. This is a subject that really never loses its 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 traction and it's always very, very high in social conver- conversation and certainly lately on social media. daters around the country who had high hopes of finding their soulmate, the love of their lives, have been let down by a dating agency. And I'm joined by Fanula Burke, who's on the line now. Good morning, Fanula.
9: Hi, Gareth. How are you doing?
2: I'm very well, thank you. Um, And I I might add here that the dating agency we're talking about is Intro Matchmaking. And the reason I just wanted to mention that is because there are quite a number of other dating agencies as well. So it's important to be specific here. And um, we have made an effort to get in touch with them to see if they would come out and have a chat with us. But so far, we haven't had any reaction or any reply from them. So um tell me you, you tell me you you were impacted so tell me your story.
9: Yeah so I joined Intro about a year ago now. Um I thought about it for a full year before I even joined. Um I had kind of been completely broken down really by online dating as 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 many people say nowadays online dating is completely soul destroying. Mm. So I thought that by joining an agency and one of the most prominent agencies that um, I might find a person who is like really well suited to me.
2: Fine, and I suppose it's it's really it's it's uh, the track record of everybody who goes out looking for love. I mean, at this some stage in your life. Uh, and I'm talking about experience uh, you know I divorced many many years ago and for many years there was no one there and I think you reach a point in your life when you think I'd love to have someone in my life someone to share work <clears throat> with someone to share time together with go away on holidays go for meals together the simple things in life that are not quite so simple when you're on your own so, totally yes yeah. yeah. so tell me then you you approached the agency and you said can you fix me up with hopefully the love of my life
9: Yes, well, I mean, it's like the lotto, isn't it? If you're not in, you can't win. So, so, I mean, so many of us, I've been talking to so many women now over the last week, we were just hopeful that by joining, we weren't like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a sure thing, but we were hopeful that by joining an agency, you might be lucky enough to meet somebody. Um, I joined a year ago now, and in that year, I've literally only had one date. And that one date I did get, I had to I had to chase them up for it. I had to I had to contact the company frequently. Um, in fact, three months passed after I joined, I didn't hear a thing from the company. Um, I contacted them myself wondering as it got closer to Christmas um, you know, was I ever going to hear from them again after handing over quite a lot of money? Um, it's, it's,
2: my, it's my understanding, Finula, that you meet with someone from the company to discuss you know, trends <coughs> and likes and dislikes and that, isn't that true?
9: Uh, yes, but I think COVID had an effect there so, so obviously it's a kind of like a video call now, yeah. so you have a video induction and um, It we, was we, a good we, hour long
2: we, we won't mention individual names, but sorry, go ahead No, just, no. So it was a, a Zoom call uh, yeah yeah
9: yes, it was a zoom call with with one of the agents, and it was very in depth and I felt really positive after it um and uh, But then three months passed, I heard nothing, contacted the company again, um and I was told well, one, I was told they didn 't even have my phone number to be able to contact me, um, and two, I was told the agent I'd been dealing with was now was now gone from the company so um so I kind of felt instantly on the back foot, I felt I, I had been kind of left maybe. Uh, like forgotten about almost if they mm. didn't even have my phone number um i was sent on a date within about 10 days of that basically i kind of was prioritized as they put it um but i felt they just sent me they just just to kind of keep me happy they sent me out on a date very quickly how much did you
2: pay to join up
9: Uh, It was 1,250 euros. And
2: what do they tell you for that in in response for taking your your money? What do they offer you in response for that huge money? Yes, it is.
9: Yeah, yeah. Um so, so basically you're you get five dates within a year um, or five matches, let's say. So uh now they, they do they do have it in, in the contract that it may go on maybe longer than a year, um like it, it might be it might go on for a year and a half, like depending on when they're able to get matches and stuff like that. And I totally understand that they're not necessarily gonna have like your perfect man constantly lined up for you. Um but at the same time you know I haven't heard from them now in I sent a letter of complaint um, in March um, which was which was acknowledged that it was received but never really dealt with um, and I haven't heard from them since that was six months ago now
2: and yeah and once again without going into details how did the first date go
9: I mean, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine, but but uh, like, and even a lot of the women I've been speaking to, none of our issue is with the actual dates. Yeah, the guys, Some of the guys are are quite nice, of course, but they're not. They're not really a match. Like like uh, the guy I went on a, da- a date with, he was a perfectly nice guy, but it um, he, he was very clear that he kind of wasn't really very interested in getting to know me. Um, and as well as that, uh, we just didn't really have anything in common.
2: Yeah, they, they say the first the first couple of minutes tells all. Would, would you agree?
9: Yes. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
2: So, uh there's no refund if the date doesn't go well, no?
9: No, and I mean, I totally understand that. Like, you know, it was it was reiterated to me in emails, you know, you have to go on multiple dates in order to to meet the right person. And to be quite honest, I've been single most of my adult life, so I'm well versed in dating. I know like I've been, I've been on more first dates than I can even and I can even count at this stage, so I'm well used to that, but at the same time, a lot of the first dates I've ever gone on i've I've gone on to tinder i've I've chatted to someone, I've met the person I haven't had to fork out over a thousand euros to to go on a date with just this you know mm. this person
2: i I remember years ago now, thankfully, I'm very happily married now, but I remember years ago having this discussion on a previous radio show many, many years ago and I remember there were two big agencies I think at that stage, I can't remember what they were called, but their fee, their introductory fee was 600 and for 600 you got to meet four possible Mm -hmm. partners. So clearly if the fee has gone up in five years to over a 1,000 euro it must be yeah. a very successful business to be running if they can charge that kind of money. But from what, you're, from what your experience is telling you is that a lot of women who have come back to you have said, no, we're with you, we can't get the right guys, we're not being sent on dates.
9: Well, yes, and this is it. And... Um there's, there is quite a stigma attached now to being kind of in your late 30s, um, being single, as you were mentioning before, you know, like feeling, you know, lonely, um, maybe like, you know, especially for women, especially for me, as you get older, you kind of maybe feel a little bit anxious. Am I not going to meet someone? Am I not going to have a family of my own? Um, but as well as that, like a lot of the women I've spoken to in the last like two weeks, um, they kind of have those fears in silence it doesn't really get talked about so they don't really want to come out and necessarily say that they feel they've kind of maybe been taken advantage of or ripped off mm. so I think companies like this kind of almost like rely on that so but now that loads of us now, now loads of loads of the women we are all talking to each other
2: yeah and I, I presume d- judging by the, the whole introductory meeting um, you would have handed over a, a, a great deal of personal and very private information to these individuals yes. have, you, have you asked <clears throat> yep. them to return this information to you and to delete uh, what, what they have on you
9: yes yeah, so I have filed a data access request as of the 18th now they have a month to respond to that um, a few of us have filed data access requests asking for what data they actually hold on us
3: and yeah.
9: um, just to even see i mean if they didn't even have my phone number when i contacted them last last you know last christmas what's to say they even had any of my infor- information then if they didn't even have my phone number um, so there's very little transparency there as to what what how the matching process actually works mm. and how how was i matched so quickly within ten, within 10 days if they didn't even have you know my basic information
2: and the contracts that you signed, um, what did that legally bind them to and what did it legally bind you to?
9: Um, well, it legally binded them to, to five matches. Right. Um, and it legally binded me, I suppose, to um, to never getting my money back, you know, mm. really. Um, so a few of us have been proceeding with like the small claims court A few of us have filed uh, within the last within the last week or so since um, um, an article we've been um, or there's been a few articles that have come out in the press in the last few weeks. So from that, a few of us have kind of um, banded together and kind of been you know chatting and communicating with one another.
2: Yeah, and the small claims court they will they'll they'll obviously uh, try to take care of your interests if the claim is no higher than two thousand euro. Am I right?
9: Yes, yes, that's correct, yeah.
2: Now, I know um, Anne Murphy and the Examiner newspaper have contacted Intro a couple of occasions for comment, but they're not commenting in this time, and we're also making efforts today to contact them. Uh, to mm-hmm. get their thoughts on the story. Uh, now they've been on the show previously and I know they've been on the late, late show previously. Yes, they have, but, yeah. Um, one, one particular woman who spoke with the examiner took a claim to the small claims court and was successful in securing the remaining four fifths of the payment she made to intro. Despite signing mm-hmm. a contract for five introductions, she only had one meeting. She recalled yeah. that when she joined the agency, her mother was willing to help her meet the membership cost because she wanted her daughter to meet the love of her life. And what parent doesn't? but instead yes. she says it was a waste of money. Um do you feel the same?
9: I do and I mean and 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 even 6 months ago when I sent a letter of complaint that was my main one of my main points was that you've not only wasted my time but you've wasted my money. Um and time that I feel now that I'm kind of getting older, you know, is quite precious. So, you know, I kind of had my hopes my hopes were put into something that was kind of never going to happen really um so yes no it is extremely disappointing
2: and um there's one this particular individual who spoke with the examiner she she recalls being um she recalls being advised by the agency that quote they couldn't guarantee a match for well-educated women who were looking for their mirror image in a man that's a very strange comment to come out of it isn't it
9: uh, very very strange but to be honest some of the comments that i have spoken to i've spoken to so many women now over the last week and some of the things they've been told um and and these are these are these are written this isn't just hearsay this is like you know maybe in an email or in a whatsapp message from the company themselves some of the things they've been told about it being they're, they're difficult to deal with you know, um you know they've they, they too high standards I mean it, it's bizarre, like mm. it's bizarre, you know in this day and age, you're told that you you know your standards are too high,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they can never be high enough mm. you know and and n- never feel n- never feel that you have to think otherwise and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself here, do you think you'll get your money back? I presume th- there's 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 strength in numbers now that there are p- how many twenty of you y- united with the same mission?
9: Yes, I mean my main mission now at this stage isn't even really to get my money back but it's mainly to I have no fear in kind of you know spe- speaking about things like this. I know a few people in the group maybe aren't so I'm I'm more than happy to kind of be um be the spokesperson for that and I I just want to make sure that more women don't um you know mm. put their hopes and dreams and hand over this money um when when it's not it's not what do I say? It's not even, you know, it's, it's they're not necessarily going to. I mean, they might be lucky, but they're, you know, and the majority of women that I've spoken to over the last few weeks have all had the same negative experience. They've been left feeling like they're completely undateable. They've been left feeling so upset, um, you know, and, and there was there was somebody only yesterday um, in the small claims court. And thankfully, she was successful, but it was a grueling two hours. Mm-hmm. in the small claims court. And I mean, and that's awful to even have to put yourself through that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it kind of hits a, a personal note as well in many respects. I can understand that. Uh, correspondent sent to clients who signed up last year, seen by the Irish examiner states, your membership is now active and we have begun the matching process. As you will know from your interview, you are guaranteed your five introductions over the course of approximately 12 months. So that word uh-huh. guaranteed... Uh, it carries a lot of clout there. Certainly, I think it would in the small claims court. But Yes, I, it would. Yes, yeah. for sure. But thanks for drawing attention to it, Fanula. It's good to talk to you, and I genuinely hope <laughs> it that, is. that you do and can I just that. Yeah?
9: Can I just say something else? Um, we have a private group on Facebook, so if anyone wants to reach out, yeah. um, you'd need to reach out to me on Facebook. So I'm Fanula Burke, and it's B-O-U-R-K-E. I'm probably one of the only Fanula Burks on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you reach out to me or send me a message on Facebook, I can add you to the group. But obviously, we're not going to have the name of the group out there because it is quite, you know, we want to keep it very private. Absolutely. But I'm sure by speaking about it today that there is going to be so many more women out there um, who've also been affected.
2: Right. Just um, can you spell your first name? Because a lot of people may leave the uh, the, the A out of it. Uh, Finula, it's F-I-O-N-N. F-
9: yeah, so it's F I O N N U A L A B O U R K E.
2: Yeah, don't forget the O and the Burke. That's great. Okay. Yes, exactly. Thanks, exactly. Fanula nice to talk to you thank
9: you very much thank bye you.
2: bye uh, no men have yet contacted the Irish examiner with concerns about the agency but several women have come forward in the past week a number of them say the men with who they were set up on dates had little or nothing in common with them um, have you had any dating disasters or issues with agencies drop us a text or whatsapp oh83 396 96 96 Kate texts and says is there any organisation that takes them back rather than find you a partner?" Partner. They can have my husband, Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ this morning. Now, the trial of Yusuf Pellini for the murders of Aidan Moffat and Michael Snee and serious injury of Anthony Burke has sickened the country, but it has also reminded our LGBTQ plus friends that Ireland can be a terrifying place, and uh, that can't be understated or overstated, should I say? We were reminded of this back in February with a vicious homophobic attack on Corkman David Babington. PJ. Sp- spoke to David at the time.
10: The person that did it got away. Um, the last couple of days have just been really, really hard for me. One of the hardest parts was for my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter to see me with the bruised face. She was so afraid of me. She didn't want to come to me, c- cuddle me. She was afraid. It was It's quite intense. My eye was closed over. And to think that less than a month ago, I was talking to you about the beautiful article in the newspaper celebrating the story of myself and PJ and same-sex couple, and to think that less than a month later that I have been assaulted again. And you know the story. We spoke to you many times. I'm just shocked that this is still happening on our streets in Cork. I'm a confident, flamboyant man, and I will embrace that until the day I die. And to think that now I have to take these things into consideration, that when I'm walking down the street, I could be assaulted for being gay in Cork, it's just really hard to take.
8: Have Have you seen a doctor, pal?
10: I have, I have. I've gone to oh, the doctor and everything's, right, okay. everything's okay. Everything's oh, okay, everything's okay. I think, listen, the scars will fade, you know, the, but it's the emotional trauma that brings you right back there, you know. I know. It's very, very difficult.
2: Yes, they're talking to Cork's David Babington uh, about his vicious attack uh, in February last. And uh, in relation to Youssef Palahni, the Mirror reveals exclusive to do that today that Gardi believe they saved the life of another potential victim, of Paleni, who was in contact with the man by phone just hours uh, before his arrest. The paper can reveal he was planning a third murder when detectives and armed officers pounced at his home in Sligo last year. Uh, He's being medically assessed in Mountjoy Prison after being caged for life this week at the Central Criminal Court. And Saoirse Mackin um, has expressed her fears for the LGBTQ plus community. Morning to you, Saoirse. Morning, Girls. Um, this must be chilling to to read particularly uh and they're very graphic details uh, of what he did to his victims in the um, in in the the, the case that uh, was was held at the central criminal court. I found myself having to stop reading them um, and even the judge said that she would like to have a photograph of Michael Snee just to remember the individual over and beyond the, the shocking attack on his life. It must be horrific. Yeah,
11: yeah absolutely. These are barbaric murders. Um, and, uh, you know, reading, you know, it's obviously um, a very um, horrific situation for the family and friends of of um, Aiden Muffin, Michael Snee, and, of course, Anthony Burke, who was also attacked, and... Um, in um by the same person um but yeah it's it's obviously horrific for 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 them but it it also has a huge impact on the wider lgbt plus community as well and their, their allies you know i mean um these are the kinds of situations that we've to read about in the papers and realize that you know ireland isn't uh, the the safest place in the world for for us to be and sometimes you know coming home from a night out or whatever it might be you know we still have to look over our shoulder or take extra steps to protect ourselves um, you know it could be sending our locations to a friend a friend of mine actually was going on a date recently and um, um, uh, shared their um, find my iPhone location with me um, you know different things like that it could be sending a face picture of the person to um, you're being with to someone else those are the kinds of things that we feel like we have to do now to protect ourselves and and shouldn't really be the case you know we should be able to go out and whether it's during the day or nighttime and and um, meet friends without having to worry about our safety
2: when you consider the joy of pride during the summer, when I was just looking after the show for PJ uh, during the summertime, there was so much enthusiasm and so much to celebrate, but this has certainly set back uh, the hopes and, and I suppose the happiness of so many people, hasn't it?
11: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Ireland is a great country and um, a huge portion of the, the population are overwhelmingly supportive of our community. And we've seen that through um, turnouts surprise, We've seen that through the um, large turnout in favour of yes during the marriage equality referendum and, and so on um, like that. But at the end of the day, there is a portion um, of the population that isn't supportive um, of us. And um, unfortunately, there's some who are, a smaller portion again, who are more extreme and uh would like to see LGBT plus people eradicated from society, um, which is the um extremely um horrifying um thing, you know, and we we've kind of seen an increase in that, especially over the past year or so. Um, you know, there's been an increase in in hate crimes. Um but on top of that as well, we've started seeing LGBT plus um, books being attacked in libraries and in bookshops. We've seen staff being harassed. Um, We've seen anti-LGBT protests on the streets. Um, You know, these are the kinds of things that young people who feel like they're getting to the stage where they can come out um, start seeing um, these situations. And... You know, makes them wonder whether or not they are actually safe to come out, and you know that's a sad thing because everyone should be able to feel safe to to be who they are in Ireland. And um, when they see um, those kinds of events, um, it, you know it does put that bit of doubt back into your mind. And then you read about you know murders like this in the papers, or you see it on the news, and again you you wonder whether or not you are actually safe and you know I must stress it is a very very small proportion of the population um that would um take actions like this but at the same time it's too high um already mm. you know that small portion of the population
2: well I suppose it, it that's so true I mean when you consider in Palenny's case it only took one individual
11: you know yes I, I, well exactly I, Yeah. yeah yeah, Is yeah it's, it's one person that, um, that attacked, you know, well, as far as we know, three people, we don't know if there was any more or not, but, yeah. um, you know, murdered two and, and attacked another. So, you know, and of course we, um, you know, we just heard from David Babington as well um, from that interview earlier in the year um, about their attack. And, um, you know, I personally know um, a couple of trans people who've been attacked as well. So, you know, these are the, the kinds of things that are ongoing. And sometimes you hear about them in the news, sometimes you don't, um, but they are unfortunately ongoing all the time
2: you know is hate crime on the rise
11: yeah absolutely and you know that's not just us saying it the um the the, the the statistics show that um there's a huge amount of reporting on on hate crime um over the past while and it's it's on the rise everywhere in the world um but especially in in europe there's um a few countries which have seen um hate crimes um increase for the first time uh, but also ireland um has also seen um an increase in it over the past year or so and that's why it's vitally important that we get um the hate crime legislation passed you know that's something that a lot of um groups like ourselves have been calling for for a long time lgbt ireland has done a lot of fantastic work on that um and you know, it's it's really time that we get that passed mm-hmm. because that's been going through the Eurachtas for um, a very long time. It was introduced far later than it should have been um, and we're still trying to get it passed. So that is something that should be a priority um, for government. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't stop there because, you know, one piece of legislation isn't going to solve it. Um, it needs to, there, there needs to be a, a whole range um, of legislation brought in, but at the same time, it also needs to be enforced because you can have every mm-hmm. law in the world, but they're all absolutely useless unless they're actually enforced. Mm-hmm as well.
2: So true. So long overdue. Thank you, Saoirse. Great to talk to you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank have you very much. Thank you.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
2: into our final hour this morning it's gareth o'callaghan here pj back with you on tuesday and joe o'shea will be here with you tomorrow and friday oh at 3? three three 96, 96 96 if you'd like to get involved in the conversation this morning now we opened the show this morning with the good news that the cabinet last night approved funding for two schemes one for business and one for householders intended to benefit those hit by flooding in cork last week And uh, Simon Coveney uh, was on with us this morning and the minister was talking about the two different branches. There's one for business and there's one for the domestic. In other words, for your home and for the awful state that uh, your homes have been left in. Um, And it's, it's quite complicated in places when you get down to reading the terms and conditions. But you know, when we've come through such a horrible, horrible week, any good news is great news. Now, Evelyn... Uh, sent us a little voice note about the aid schemes this morning.
9: Hi, Gareth. I just wanted to come in there. I'm listening to Minister Simon Coveney. Um Absolutely well done to all the government representatives who are acting quickly to try and help these people. But I don't agree that there should be any limits or assessments or anything like that in place for people whose homes have been devastated, some of them under three and four feet of water. Devastation is devastation, regardless, and whether they're earning 50,000 a year or 500,000 a year, this happens through no fault of their own, and they should be assisted in putting their homes and businesses back together. That just sounds really complicated to me. You get so much if you're this, so much if you're that, and then you'll be assessed if you need more. It's putting barriers in people's ways, and devastation is devastation at the end of the day, no matter who they are or what they earn.
2: Yeah, now you said it. Thanks, Evelyn, and that certainly uh, kind of was ringing around inside my head this morning. Not so much what when we were talking to Minister Simon Coveney, but when I when I was earlier on looking down through the humanitarian assistance scheme, which is for households and for homes, and then obviously the business flood relief scheme, which falls into two parts, uh, the business scheme you'll find on redcross.ie f- uh, slash flood support scheme if you want to find out what you can avail of and as i said earlier on to sum it up in a few words the more you're looking for the more um the more form signing and 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 uh you know box ticking you'll have to do and consequently it's probably going to be the longer it's going to take for you there's a hundred thousand available there um i would love to know and we'll come back to this i'm sure later and i was talking to pj about this yesterday um I have a feeling that the number of businesses that get the full 100,000 or more um, will be limited. I And I think that is because of the terms and conditions involved. And it will take more time to get that money than it will take to get the quick as they're calling it, the quick 5,000 and 10,000 payments. Now, the humanitarian assistance scheme is on gov.ie. That's the Department of Social, uh, Social Protection. And it's the Minister Heather Humphrey's area. And she has secured additional funding for flood victims and for the devastation for this humanitarian assistance scheme and increases to the income limits. But just to remind you again that the scheme will cover emergency income support payments, and what you'll have to do there is to go to the community wel- welfare service. So, the community welfare officer in Middleton is on the case right now, working as hard as the individual can possibly do with the people in his office. And the scheme aims to lighten the hardship rather than provide full compensation for damage. Now, to get full compensation, we're back to the sign forming and filling out, uh, y- you know, pretty extensive documents to make sure that you're legit and that your request is bona fide. So the scheme will cover emergency income support payments, damage to your home and its essential contents such as carpets, flooring, furniture, household appliances and bedding, structural damage, but it does not cover losses covered by an insurance policy so if your house has a policy and you're insured with an insurance company who will pay out for flood damage well then the assistance scheme is not relevant to you you won't be getting a cent from it because the first thing they'll check is if you have insurance and the insurance company will pay out also not covered loss of items deemed to be inessential or luxury items so the plasma screen probably not the gigantic woofter speakers attached to your stereo music system definitely not also not covered commercial business losses loss or damage to private rented accommodation or local authority recommendation julie texts to me and she says what about things like my jewelry and also my daughter's jewelry uh what's the story there i i'm not sure uh that, would that come under inessential or luxury items? Most likely. Most likely. But then, you know, I'm not a loss adjuster and I'm not an insurance assessor. But the, 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 the issue here is that while Evelyn makes the point that there should be no ceiling on the payments, now Simon Coveney did did say full financial support will be available, full financial support. And it, I asked him to qualify that, and he said full financial support. So the number to call, and I would imagine it's busy, but it's worth trying oh eight one eight sixty seventy eighty oh eight one eight sixty seventy eighty, and uh, you'll get as much information you need there. But you may have to wait to get through because I can imagine how busy it will be. Now, 83 396 96, 96. Yesterday, Vincent Cashman was talking to me from the CSPCA, Cork Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, about... Um the her- the lonely goat herd at the Kinsale Road roundabout, uh, who have now been sort of r- ringed up and taken away for their for their their better health and uh, their welfare, and uh, they're now trying to get permanent homes for them. But Vincent mentioned Billy's rent a goat, and I just had to speak to the man behind this company, and that's Billy Walsh. Morning to you, Billy. Hello.
12: Good morning. How are you getting on? I'm very good. Garrett. I
2: I thought this. I, I I had heard about this years ago. Uh, I was living in the west of Ireland for a little while, and the whole rent a goat thing was very popular, particularly in rural communities where you could rent a, a few goats to eat the grass and keep the grass short. What other What other reasons would somebody want to rent a goat for?
12: Well, I suppose who I'm targeting at really, uh, Gareth, is uh, councils and local authorities, um, somewhat schools and communities. So so that's kind of my uh, main clientele. So, uh, for example, um, what we really focus on is uh, dealing with invasives. Um, so out of control invasives within parks and um So I'm working with uh, Cork City Council um, with a couple of projects coming up at the moment. Um, I'm also involved in conservation, so in conservation, um, promoting biodiversity. So we bring in the goats, uh, we mitigate uh, the growth of the the plant that is involved, and uh, we try to help and promote biodiversity. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
2: Are there many goats around the country, Billy?
12: At the moment, uh, I think the, it's I think it's roughly around twenty eight thousand registered okay. goats. Uh, th- that figure is probably double um, because there's a lot of unregistered goats. Um, but I'm the only person in Ireland doing what I'm doing. So I'm a goat herder providing ethical land management services. So. That's what I do. Uh, that's my profession.
2: So if you're the only one that makes you the lonely goat herder, does it?
12: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't. Say. <laughs> there There, is another girl above in um, in, in Hothead um, and she's a goat herder, uh, but it's a different type of service they provide. Mm-hmm. So they're mitigating. Uh, the growth of gorse um to uh, bring down uh, reduce fire really so whereas i i do that service as well but i provide a whole pile of services with it as well
2: where do you keep um, where do you keep your
12: goats So I'm based in West Cork. Um, I'm based in a small place called Castletown Kinna outside of Inneskeen. And uh, that's where uh, my homestead is and that's where um, my headquarters is. Um, So yeah, so that's where I'm based out of.
2: Great. Uh, Do you want to give your number? Because I'm sure there'll be somebody out there listening this morning thinking, I wouldn't mind renting a couple of goats
12: yeah well see <laughs> that's good but um it, it all depends on the site situation uh first and foremost as welfare of the goat and everything yeah. else that has to come first um it's not ideal in 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 garden scenarios um because of uh first and foremost is the health and health and safety um, but uh, yeah, you can contact me in uh, it's hello at Billy's Rent to I I E or you can check me out on Facebook and see what projects I do as well.
2: All right, Billy, great to talk to you this morning. No problem. Thank All you. All right, thanks very much. <laughs> That's uh, Billy Walsh. There, high on a hill. With the lonely goat herd. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, I remember a guy many years ago, and this is going back long before, I suppose, goat laws came in, but, uh, he actually had two goats in his back garden. Um, and the neighbors used to give out because, you know, that <laughs> all night long, all night long uh many many years ago i don't think you get away with it now that's for sure we'll take a quick break back in a moment with um uh, an incredible story of resilience that we'll be hearing from our next caller it would be great to hear from you this morning uh we're here with you for another 40 minutes or so now maria has an incredible story of resilience to tell life has not been easy for her in recent years but her message is very timely and that's never give up hi maria
0: Hi, Garrett. How are
2: you keeping? I'm very good, thank you. The minute I saw that you'd sustained a head injury after a road accident um, in July 2017, I thought back to when I almost died in a, a road crash last March, and so uh, so much of your story. Now, while thankfully I didn't sustain head and in, in head injury. Uh, Tell me your story, because I think unless you've been through something like this, it's very difficult for anyone to understand just how serious and how life-changing it is.
0: Yeah, sorry to hear about your own accident. Um, Yeah, mine happened back in... July 2017 when I was like at the pinnacle of my career and life and everything was still going well and stuff and just unfortunately in the blink of an eye everything changed so I ended up like uh, with a, a brain injury my bulge, my dish, I bulged my disc, I popped my shoulder, all oh, my body had to be like redone through physiotherapy chiropractors and mm. then eventually I met an amazing osteopath, um, in cork osteopath, Vicki, and she's kind of the years put me back together, you know, when I when I fall apart. Yeah. Um, but it was like one of the darkest times in my life, you know yourself, you've been through it too, where when you sustain a head injury, it just feels like your brain has been compressed. You know, mm-hmm. you've got out of body feeling. Like I kept feeling like I was, I was going to be found dead in the morning. You know, when my my husband and my kids would come into the room because that pressure in my head was just unbearable. Where I thought I was going to bleed out through either my eyes, my ears, my nose. I had like first to go. I'd nausea. My eyes couldn't focus. I'd, um, I'd in conversions insufficiencies where my eyes used to go off different parts. I couldn't focus on one part. Um.
2: This in was the brain had swollen. Maria had it, and it was pressing you know against the skull.
0: It's not even the swelling part because like, you know yourself in Ireland you have to wait ages to get a brain MRI. So it was yeah. weeks after my accident where I got the MRI, and we couldn't see anything on the MRI. Yeah. And um, but my that pressure in my head was a constant for at least. 10 months that pressure like that feeling every day where you walk and you're not in your body you're it's like you're walking inside your body it's such a weird feeling and you feel inadequate you can't hold up conversations properly you're going on a mental decline you're in just so much physical and mental pain that you don't want to be here any longer and stuff you know Um, although my accident wasn't life threatening you know it Basically, was like it was life changing it was life changing yeah. and it actually almost took my life in the end do you know that kind of way oh dear yeah it got so bad like it was such a horrific time and uh, I lost a lot of friends during this period as well because I, like you know yourself you become a different person yeah do you know you become very angry you can't function properly it does change and you you heard that with a lot of people with post concussion syndrome where you burn bridges because you are a different person and people can't handle that
2: yeah, it's it's almost as if the life you had before when you look behind it's gone
0: it is it's gone and it's one of these things and it, it took me years to realise I was always like I need to get to back I, I live at this fast pace I need to go back to this fast pace and I was always going why can I not function and like it's like inside your brain you're functioning but outside your brain you're not functioning mm. it's like it's like I always described it as um, an iPhone and an iCloud you're the iPhone but your memories at iCloud, and you can't get to them. That's and it's like a space of yeah. blank, and you just can't. If someone asks me a question, I just stare blankly at them, and i be like, "Oh no, no!" And then I'd get a huge migraine for having to think.
2: Wow, that's a perfect, you know, perfect analogy. An amazing analogy that you're the phone, but what's going on in your brain is up in a cloud you can't reach.
0: Yeah, it's like the Wi-Fi has been cut off. Yeah. And you're you're desperately searching for for a provider to reconnect. And, like, even though my accident was seven years ago, I still don't have memories of the stuff. I'm being reminded of stuff, you know. uh, Like, my husband reminded me how we first met. And I'm like, oh, did we have that conversation when we first met? Oh, sorry, did I do that to you? Or, you know... And he's like do you not remember I'm like no I'm like I do have to remind you of the brain injury <laughs> or if someone goes to me, um, oh we'll do this next week and I'll go yeah and I forget to put it in my calendar and then it comes around and I've missed it and they're like you never came I'm like oh my god <laughs> sorry <Right>. uh, yeah <laughs>
2: and, and, and Maria when you're reminded do you remember the memory then or is it still a blank
0: be a blank sometimes because I could have a conversation with you, like especially yeah, my mom. She's always giving out to me for it, where I have a conversation with her. I bet she like say it again. And I'm like, oh, you never told me. And she's like, we had this conversation this once or twice before. Like, so it does it does still creep in, like
2: yeah. But it didn't just stop there because then your husband
0: went through hell. Yeah, so just as like I'm trying to come to terms with what I'm doing, and my husband is like going above and beyond to you know, help me through everything because like I lost my smell and taste I like I lost a lot with this, you know, like there was so much more going on with this accident, you know, than we could probably even cover in the show. But then he ended up a year later, so July twenty eighteen he ended up in a horrific accident uh, where a car tyre blew up in his face and left him with lifelong injuries and then he became the person he was the person who cared for me and then in an instant I ended up having to be the person who cared for him
2: and how serious were his injuries a car car tyre blew up in his face
0: yeah like Yeah, and it blew off the side of the car as well. So that shows you the kind of impact. And he took it straight to the side of the face.
3: Um,
0: Yeah, he, he, like, lost the eyesight of one eye. Like, that had been totally split. And he had, like a lot of facial injuries and he has post concussion syndrome as well and I always flag that oh between the two of us we've one brain you know (laughs) in function of one (laughs) Um, so like just a light harsh to like put it out there
2: do you know uh, a friend of mine works for the fire service and he says you know sometimes uh, you know it's the humour that can get you through the worst possible moments you know
0: it is, no, it can be inappropriate times, and I'm probably yeah. one of those people who really inappropriate time my jokes, because, <laughs> like, we were in, we were just in the a about, I think it was, like, two hours after this accident, and the operator came down because, like, he had to go for, like, reconstructive surgery of the eyeball, and he was, they couldn't get over how he survived this accident, do you know, Um like less would kill, like less of this impact would have killed someone. And I remember he was like, oh, it, just, it, it must have been because you were doing a good deed, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, talk about a, with these going up in your face. And I remember the room just stopped and looked at me and I was like, sorry, was that like the wrong time for this joke, you know? But it was just, it was just my way of coping.
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he gets a lot of that me where he'd be searching for something in the cupboards and I'd like, oh my God, it's right there. And he's like, I can't see it. I go, oh my God, let me in, two eyes are better than one. And he's like, I can't believe you just said that. And I'm like, I would have said that before your accident. You know, I forgot, like, just that, stop like and he'd like you don't know the pressure I'm under and I'm like pressure over tires and I'm like oh my god I'm really sorry you know I didn't mean to mm-hmm. say that you know but yeah we, we use humor every day like <laughs>
2: okay, so because I remember just you've just reminded me that the night I was brought into CUH and and I was in the critical decisions unit and I was told to lie perfectly still um and uh, m- my wife standing beside me and I looked at her and I said will you make a phone call and she looked at me and she said yes of course and uh, because we'd planned to go to, to West Cork for a couple of days I said will you ring the hotel and cancel a couple of days away oh, <laughs> and, and the doctors are looking at me thinking like God we're trying to keep you alive here and you're worried about cancelling a couple of days yeah. in the West Cork Hotel and these are the things I suppose that get you through aren't they
0: it is and even like with him when that had happened because he was due to go on night shift and he's like will you ring my employer and I was just like oh yeah okay it's right on my list but you know like we're, we're literally we don't know if you're going to survive this ambulance trip but yeah I'll ring your employer you know yeah Um, like like he he's just like we didn't know at that time was he going to be blind in both eyes was it just going to be the one eye there was like I won't go too much into his because this is his story and he's living with, and it. it's very traumatic mm. for him and you know he has lifelong injuries performance and stuff but um yeah, it, it that became like an extremely like dark time in our lives and like that had an effect that like even today where we pass the place that happened where we're like, we see it every day. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. So it's something you kind of have to like learn to live with or lose your mind kind of thing.
2: How, um, how did it affect your relationship, Maria?
0: Um. Well, both accidents affected the relationship because like when I had mine I was trying to push him away. Hmm. You know, um, when he had his... Then obviously trying to push me away, but I got it because I just yeah. seen him in this place where he had been, and I think because I'd been to that place where he had been, I was kind of able to help him, you know. And if we're having a bad day, we 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 help each other out because we know we're we can connect on a different level now. Mm. But. I know after he's related, after his accident, like I fell in love with him for his eyes and then I'm looking at the back in the back of an ambulance and one is wide open. You mm. so know, stay wide open and they're going, Oh God. And it's an image you can't get out of your mind for a very long time.
3: Yeah.
0: And you almost have to kind of fall in love again because it's like you become different people. So with my accident we had to fall in love again. After his accident we had to like fall in love again because we were different people. Yeah And Different it's people. kind of one of these things yeah. yeah, where a lot of people would leave a relationship After something like this happened mm. But we decided to stick together And, you know, build upon it And, you know, we, we, we connected on a higher level now Like, you know, but it's yeah. it, it's something you have to work on um, And it's something that's more rewarding in the end Because, you know, if I left him I'd never get someone like him again
2: Yeah what a beautiful you know. thing to say! Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's like he's top notch. He's actually a really special person. Before the accident and after the accident, Do you know, he's have a bit more scars mentally and physically. But yeah, I wouldn't change him for the world.
2: Yeah, I think there's a part of you deep, somewhere deep inside, that sometimes you have to go looking for it to find it. That never changes, and that's the part you cling to.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's the thing, and but like that's one of the things we never gave up on life during this we never gave up on each other and things do go dark like and that's one thing i want to say to people listening today who are in similar situations both mentally and physically because like i got ptsd from his accident it was so horrendous you know and um like this is one of the things like even though like i'm very happy-go-lucky you'll see me out i'll always be smiling I do have bad, days. I, like I do relive things, like I can wake up at two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, be awake thinking about everything that's happened, and then I have to try to change my mindset and become positive again, and yeah. it's one of these things where you're never going to be fixed totally, but you can battle yourself, and you can bat yourself back to positive. Yeah. I, so, found,
2: I found that uh, it was like reading a book, and suddenly the book drops, and the pages go everywhere, and they're not yeah. numbered and you just can't put them back together again.
0: And you're just be searching the floor to find the right page.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, like, uh, some of the things I think think of lately, and I try to keep everything in the day because I think everything is within the day, that you can't really let yourself wander off into the future because it's a terrifying place.
0: no, and that's the thing. And you can't let yourself drag yourself back to the past either, because you can't change there either. You can't. You can. You can change things you do going forward to the future that are in your grasp. But you can't change your whole future. You know, your actions have consequences. And I choose. And my husband choose We choose to do good. We choose to help other people and be there when people need us. And do good good deeds and do good work in our communities like, you know, I'm coaching soccer and stuff and you know, I I help out like elderly um, residents in our area and stuff that need help and things like that and that's something I have control over, you know, and it's a pay for thing and hopefully a good camera will come back at the end <laughs> but you, you choose your future, you can choose to go down the good route and you could choose to go down a bad route. And at the end of the day, only you have the power to choose what road you want to
2: take. That's very true. Yeah, can I talk about your nan? Uh, like yes. as if you both hadn't been, you know, dumped with the most horrific situations. Um, you're you're you were helping your nan with end of life care because she had been diagnosed with cancer, hadn't she?
0: Um, yeah, so I had been really close to my nan all through my life. Like, excuse me, my nan used to go ever, every week. We'd go for lunch for one of my friends every week. I'd to her house two, three times a week, helping her out, visiting her. I'm very close to my grandparents. I still have another two living. And I was just up with them yesterday. But yeah, I um, already done, like a lot of her medical stuff for her, like bringing her to her visit, making sure like, you know, she's taken her medications not that she was on money so just b d12 injections but um yeah just a very sudden you know case where she had a blood clot in her leg it just showed up and i brought her off to amy and we just got told she had stage four cancer and weeks to live
3: mm.
0: and it was it was a shock yeah like she'd been living independently she was happy she was never sick it was Really weird, and to be given that news, you're like, how? You know, and mm. we didn't tell her she had it, so she never knew she had cancer. Because we wanted her to like enjoy the rest of her her life, mm. because that's what I like. I, geez, I'd fight with consultants over this, where they were like, she has the right to know she's dying, and I said, well, she has the right to live and enjoy the rest of her life, without the fear of dying? And we just moved her straight in that night with us and we did like I did like the positive care for her and, and the life care stuff for her and stuff and that was tough you know no, we we made beautiful memories like I mean we brought her everywhere we ate out all the time with her and it was very special to share that time with her like we were with her like I was with her 24 hours a day because like I slept in the same room with her and stuff because I would be afraid she'd fall with the leg and yeah, like it was tough because she was like, Oh, you're making me better and then deep down I was dying, going, Oh god, she doesn't know what's going on. Mm. No, she she did thank us all the time. I think deep down she knew something drastic was happening within her body. But we didn't want to tell her until the time was right. And the way I phrased it was that, like, unfortunately old age is catching up with you. Because cancer is her nightmare because she did it for her mother yeah and that time things changed like medicines are very different now you know level of care is very different it's not kind of easier but she, yeah she never wanted to hear those words so we never told her and she only found out then like the day before she passed that she was going to pass which allowed her to pass peacefully
3: hmm
2: I I just I, I admire your resilience. Um it's it's incredible. Now I I know you say that acting and writing saved your life. So tell yeah. me about um after your ma- your nan passed away, you became a producer and a director, didn't you?
0: So yeah, what happened was um as part of my rehabilitation for my brain injury, um I was advised to take up like drama you know just to help uh, with the memory to learn lines again and stuff and I remember I went to like Actors Vision and Course and I did the Action for Camera course and I said I couldn't give it a bash do you know what I mean keep an yeah. open mind kind of thing not thinking it was going to go anywhere just I'm in here for rehabilitation and at that time I actually didn't have um, emotions I only had anger I had hate for the accident the universe what had happened And I couldn't feel the happiness, I couldn't feel the love, I couldn't feel the good stuff you want to feel, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I went into the acting for camera course, that was a game changer. It helped me bring back my emotions, because you have to, like, Darren had to tap back into that memory bank of emotions that you have, it's deep back in your brain, but you can tap into them, you can recall them and you can go you can look for that happy moment and feel that again you know and then with the characters I was able to take out all that anger and hatred I had I was I was able to build a character and leave it out on camera on stage and deal with it and then that was dealt with and then I could go back to being oh Okay, I'm good now again, know, And then I started, my brain then started functioning differently. So I would have been very scientific. I was a scientist before my accident. And then my brain then changed from scientific to like creative. Where before I wouldn't have been creative, I was thinking of um, stories. Like um, I, was the, I, I started writing comedy to deal with the darkness to stop my mind going dark I'd I'd actually start writing comedy so like literally comedy sketches you know just to like lighten the mind and stuff and then that developed into me writing a TV series a dark drama comedy TV series and it's all ready to go if like I can find someone to get it up and running it's actually really funny and then from my husband's accident uh, with the PTSD, I was having a lot of uh, night terrors and I'd wake up covered in sweat. I remember one dream in particular and I woke up. I literally was covered in sweat. I was panicked. For three weeks, I was terrified to go to sleep because I didn't want to live that dream again. Mm. And I was like, this feeling isn't leaving me. I was like, what am I going to do? And I was actually getting very panicked. And I sat down and I said, I'm going to write it out. And I wrote a movie around it. And then what I was afraid of, I was very excited for it because now I've created characters. I'd given that ownership of that nightmare to a character. It was no longer me. And I wrote a feature film. And after my nan had passed... I had this void and you probably know it if you felt for anyone who, who's out there listening who'd felt that void when you lose someone that you love and I'd walk the road for hours not knowing what to do and I just couldn't fill this void and my husband said why don't you just back yourself why don't you do the movie you've been talking about doing for ages and I'd be procrastinating obviously about doing it you know and I just went do you know what I was like I will because I need to do something Hmm. And um, I threw myself straight into doing... A few weeks after my I passed into doing a movie that I'd wrote. So I ended up producing it and co-directing it. And I sourced the locations. And, like, I was funding it, so I had to do everything. Because, obviously, like, the money was low, you know?
2: Yeah. This is... Good. And, you, you called it I Wish You Were Here.
0: Yeah, I Wish You Were Here is the like film, and it's a romantic thriller. And it's based around my nightmare uh, from the accident. And... Um, We did, we shot it all, it's in post-production, we're towards the end it's going into sound design next and we've got all of our music, we've got everything done Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping by the end of November to December we're going to be finished and we can like enter it into film festivals and it's one of the things that's ironic because it's called I Wish You Were Here and I remember being so proud of myself that I just done this big huge project and I was phoning my grandparents to let them know and I went to phone my nan and I was like oh my god and I burst out crying and I was just ironically going I wish you were here
2: That's stunning. It really is, and it's it's over an hour and a half long. And so, I mean, you know, there's every possibility that whether it's the Sundance Festival or the Cannes Film Festival, they've all sorts of cate- categories. And I, I, you just, you have that strength and you have that resilience. I don't need to tell you that.
0: Yeah, and do you know what, no, it was kind of like I had a bit more motivation because I have the power to change people's lives, yeah. to be a beacon of hope to people that think there's no hope out there. Because, like, I don't I, you know, Gareth, if you were the same after your accident, but I know when I had my accident, there was no help. No. There's no help for people with brain injuries unless you're severely brain injured. Like, Headway is a charity, and they're inundated with people to go for their services yeah, and I, I got in after two years but they couldn't do anything for me because I wasn't as bad as the people in the line and the people in the line are really bad and they can't get on it because they're dealing with some major cases that need to be dealt with but then the people who are in the middle ground like us there's no one there to help us and then the mental health facilities they don't exist either Like no, um,
2: non-existent yeah
0: no and when you're paying privately like I was to help me you're, you'd want to remortgage yourself Gets a lot of money, so like the government really needs to change everything. We have the money in surplus. They need to start backing proper causes, mm. mental health services, brain injury causes, um, homelessness. They need to actually sit down properly and mm. pull their finger out and do the right thing by the public.
2: Maria, I could talk to you all day but um, th- there's people waving at me here saying that you've only 15 minutes to get out of that studio oh sorry. yeah so um,
0: we're, I'm actually no, on I, tomorrow I wanted, night yeah, yeah to in the underdogs uh, yeah and I want to talk to you <laughs> yeah.
2: about this because you're on the underdogs on TG Car tomorrow night at 9.30 so uh, without rushing okay, yeah. and can you tell me in a few seconds what it's about because we're looking forward to watching it
0: yeah so the underdog series is basically taking a, b- a bunch of women who've never made it to the top of their um, you know soccer professions for some reason due to like becoming mothers or careers or or anything like that and um, basically forming a team and putting it together to go against the top soccer teams in the league Mm -hmm. Um, and we have really amazing women taking part in it I've had such a blast doing the series like like there's some amazing stories, some very inspirational women and some really great soccer players, it's definitely worth the watch and you get to kind of see a bit more of my story then as well and kind of what I do, you know, through the series.
2: I'm just looking at the texts coming in for example I just spotted one here Mick uh, Mick says fantastic interview what a fabulous woman sending healing light to her and to her husband that's from Mick and I think that sums it up from everybody listening Maria it's a joy hey, to uh-huh. talk to you after all you've been through and uh, I, I know even just talking as you did so beautifully this morning I think you'll, you'll have changed so many people's views and outlook so take care of yourself I'm, I'm looking forward to the movie I wish you were here and Maria features in the underdogs on TG Car. tomorrow. Tomorrow night at nine thirty. Have a great day, Maria.
0: Thanks, girl. Have a lovely day.
2: Yeah, do you take care. You take care. Oh um yeah, well, I think she she said it all, didn't she? Not much time left. Uh, just time to tell you um about a special collection for those affected by the floods in Glanmire and Middleton. A collection for fire lighters, fire logs, blocks, kindling, coal and briquettes. Perfect for this time of year, but so necessary right now. It'll take place at Douglas Community Centre on Thursday. That's tomorrow, the 26th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. These will help the people of Glenmire and Middleton who have no heating but can still light their fire to keep warm, okay? So they've no electricity either. So because the flooding was so severe, it has circuited all of the electrical supplies um, provided to each of the addresses. So. They're living in darkness with the exception of candles and torches and things like that. So if they can light their fires, physically, manually light them. They need firelighters, fire logs, blocks, kindling, coal and briquettes. Uh, Please bring them to Douglas Community Centre anytime between 10am and 5pm tomorrow, Thursday. And they'll help the people uh, of Glenmire and Middleton. And for more details, just contact marie dca park events that's marie dca park events Oh eight six one seven three two four six nine. 1732 or just turn up on the day that's tomorrow now the world is absolutely fascinated by the beckhams following this netflix documentary which is drawing in 3.8 million views in its first week and it's now emerged that posh spice has not just one not two but 15 engagement rings and uh, the whole netflix corner is beckham a four-part series released this month that looks back at the former football star's career and his relationship with his wife posh spice uh, it's incredible it's not even to mention the Colleen rooney the real wag of the story over on disney plus tim Keane runs michelle jewelers on patrick street good morning to you tim <laughs> Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm just thinking for a man who's into diamonds I would say somebody comes into your shop and buys 15 engagement rings you'd reach out and hug them
13: I'd be very happy, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I've done some research on this after I've been reading about it. Mm. I mean, they originally got engaged in 1998. At which stage he bought uh, he bought her a three carat marquee, which is like a bow shape ring, and um, that was eighty five thousand back then. Wow! Right. Then yeah. he bought her a platinum eternity uh, style in 2001. 2003 he bought her a very large emerald cut diamond with baguette sides. 2004 he really went wild. He bought her a uh, for her 30th birthday, a pink champagne single stone valued at over a million dollars. Wow. That was in 2004. Yeah. 2005, he bought her a 17 carat pear cut Halo cider ring right? Yeah. 2006 <laughs> an emerald cut diamond in yellow gold. That was valued at two and a half million. Uh, 2007 an emerald cluster with a magnificent emerald in the middle of it as in green emerald. Mm-hmm. She likes the emerald cut. Then in 2000, as in say emerald cut diamond 2008 he bought her a 15 carat ring from Chopard. God which was emerald cut as well she's had emeralds rubies sapphires uh on many occasions and then like for example in 2009 he bought her a ruby oval cluster which was valued at 800,000. then then he bought her a pink diamond wedding ring and an oval diamond sorry a pink which is one of the most expensive diamond oval stone and it was with a matching diamond set band, I haven't a clue how much yeah. but it would not be cheap, that's millions then he bought her a brilliant cut normal round cluster, but I don't know if she really liked that, that was in 2015 she only wore that for a little And then the one she wears a lot is actually funny enough one of the cheapest rings it's a moonstone which is kind of like a bit like opal it's opaque, In oval with the diamonds around it on a platinum diamond set band value about 10-15 thousand but she wears that quite a lot uh, oh, wow. then in 2016 she unveiled a square cut big like a cushion shape big diamond and one stone in, when she was in the uh, in Cannes at the film festival and then in 2018 she uh, showed up with a big square cut different ring in platinum with a panel set band and that was first seen in New York the value of the 15 rings that I've just called out to is a whopping, they estimate whopping 34 million dollars
2: 34 million dollars I'm going to have to quote a Spice Girl song and say stop right now thank you very much (laughs) that's that's incredible
13: Um, um, she's very clever because anything she wears will have an attached value to it
2: right okay. I mean if
13: any of these big ones come up for sale say in an auction room uh, just let's pick anyone pick uh, one of the emerald cuts say firstly Chopard would be delighted that she's wearing it because it's great complicity for them yeah. that she's wearing a ring from Chopard and I would be delighted if she was wearing a ring from me <laughs> secondly <laughs> if she ever goes to sell it it's Victoria Beckham's Chopard ring so it will collapse command a big premium. Mm. And there's people out there who would pay that. So he's very clever. That thirty five million I'd say is probably a little conservative. Yeah. <laughs> believe oh. it or not. But I yeah. mean you know this guy yeah. is very clever. Have no doubt look what he did with look what he did with that football team in America. Yes, absolutely. They all thought yeah. he was mad when he bought it for what, was thirty five million and now it's worth four hundred million? Yeah. This guy is very clever. To good credit.
2: Many of his critics thought he was mad when he married her. Um, I remember reading about that like way way back from the moment he saw her on television performing with the Spice Girls, he said he knew he wanted to marry her. And Gary Neville, who was his teammate, said how after their first date he would talk to Posh for five hours at a time on the phone in the bathroom. Five hours. Can, um, just come, Let's come back down to where it's just briefly. I don't like being here too long. I, I love listening to the millions that he's spending on her. But um Cork women are buying more rings now, aren't they, Tim?
13: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, times have changed, you know. It isn't just an engagement ring anymore. There's dress rings, and there's phone rings, and there's eternity rings, or as someone said to me the other day, push rings. Yeah. I said that's a terrible word to use, but <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's dre- like women today; they don't have to be getting married, they don't have to be getting engaged. Yeah. They want to buy something, they buy it. You know, yeah. they're independent, and why not?
2: Tim, I'm going to have to leave it there. It's great to chat to you. Thank you so much. No problem. Happy Take Christmas, y'all. To
13: you too. Thanks, Tim
2: came there from Michelle Juniors and Patrick. Today's show was edited by Imer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks to Wayne at the desk. Joe's back tomorrow from nine.